Welcome to the Dear Menopause podcast, where we discuss the menopause transition to help make everyday life a little easier for women. Today, I'm chatting with Dr. Shreya Andrick. Shreya is a fellow of the Australasian College of Dermatologists, and she has several subspecialty interests. But the area that is of most interest to us is vulval dermatology. That's right, Shreya and I chatted all things vulvas, vaginas, and general skin conditions during perimenopause and into postmenopause. I hope you enjoy this chat. Shreya, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. Thank you for having me. Ah, my absolute pleasure. So Shreya, why don't we kick off by you introducing to our listeners who you are and what you do? Sure. So my name is Shreya Nandrik and I'm a dermatologist based here in Sydney. I Dermatology training is a bit of a process. And uh, so basically you start off, you do medical school initially, and then you move on and become an intern and do a year of um, residency. So you kind of do two general years. And then for myself, um, the journey was that I then did two years um, as a dermatology research fellow. So I was working at Royal North Shore Hospital and um, my you know, supervisor mentor um, was Professor Gail Fisher. And so Gail is a very well-known uh, pediatric and vulval dermatologist. And before then, I probably didn't really know, you know what vulval dermatology was. Um, but after spending time with her, attending her clinics, and um, you know, I not only worked with her at that point in time, but then um, once I got onto the dermatology training program, I came back to spend my final year of training. It's four years. Um, so my final year was back at North Shore, and um, and I was doing um, the vulval dermatology clinic then as well. And I guess at that point, I realised what a significant impact we could have on people's quality of life. Um, women are amazing, and we put up with a lot. <laughs> and yeah, sadly, um, you know, uh, we would be seeing people who would come to us after putting up with symptoms for years, and. So I guess, you know, once I went on and became a fully-fledged dermatologist, I kind of could have left it there. Um, but uh, I have continued that work throughout my practice. And, um, and I do get a lot of satisfaction out of it because it's so nice being able to help people who have just, you know, put up with these symptoms for so long. And um, obviously there's a lot that can happen, you know, in that perimenopausal and menopausal stage of life. And not only affecting the vulva, but affecting other parts of the body. So women are amazing. <laughs> you know, so love, you know, I've got such an, I've got fantastic patients and um, yeah, have a lot of satisfaction from that. That's amazing. And I love that you were moved to transition into that side of dermatology because I get the sense that you could really see how much help that you could be and how much you can stop the suffering for women that do tend to put up with symptoms because we are amazing um, <laughs> and we have these really high thresholds of yeah. just going, ah, you know, oh, it's annoying, I'll just put up with it. And, and particularly when we're talking about an area of the body that for some women there's a lot of embarrassment, there's I guess maybe some shame and stuff as well yeah. attached to having a condition in the vulva or vaginal area and needing to seek help for that yes yeah so 
So let's uh-huh. talk then. What I'd love to start off talking about is maybe something a little bit more generic, and yeah. that is the changes that our skin goes through as a result of perimenopause, the fluctuation of the hormones moving yeah. into postmenopause. Yeah. So um, I guess firstly, starting with estrogen. So estrogen is responsible for collagen and elastin production. Um, it also plays a part in hyaluronic acid production. And um, so uh, when we start to lose the estrogen, we start to notice changes in the skin, fine lines and wrinkles start to come out. Um, the skin starts to, for want of a better word, I guess, sag. Mm-hmm. Um, and progesterone as well is responsible for sebum production, so oil um, production. And so both of those together, if we're losing the estrogen and progesterone, then all round there's pretty much dryness. <laughs> yeah, you're looking, at, you're looking at saggy dry skin really, aren't you? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and that can affect, you know, obviously we have skin everywhere, um, so it can affect anywhere on the body. So, again, you know, being generic, we do notice, you know, People start who may have never had eczema before, for example, mm-hmm. they um, start to develop eczema. We also see, and you know, I don't think the hormones necessarily play a role in it, but rosacea it does come up in that pen, uh, perimenopausal stage of life, mm-hmm. and um, things like the hot flushes can really affect flushing that we get in rosacea. So you know, that's something that I see a lot of as well. And then obviously, you know, vaginal dryness. And there are other conditions that tend to present around that um, age and stage of life. Mm, okay, cool. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the, just the general dryness of our skin. So obviously, yes, linked to the fluctuations in the estrogen and the progesterone, what can be done to work with that and yes. to, you know, without going out and buying ridiculously expensive cosmetics that will tell yeah. you that they will solve all these problems? I know. And you don't need to. with fillers and chemicals and everything else. Yes. What What is your go-to remedy for general skin dryness? So keeping it simple, everyone loves their, especially in winter, it's always worse in winter, everyone loves their long, hot showers. Mm-hmm. So, and as mean as it is, I tell people to try and keep a cap on it. So three to five minute cool showers, use a soap-free wash and, you know, like, a liquid soap is not a soap-free wash, if you know what I mean. People yep. say, oh, yeah, I use palm olive or whatever, and no, that's… Um, Still got soap in it. What? Yes, yep. yeah. There's something like QV, Cetaphil, Aveeno, any of those. As soon as you get out of the shower, pat your skin dry. Don't rub it dry. You know, you want the skin to still be a little bit damp and then put moisturizer on top to toe. Okay, right. Again, you don't need to spend a lot of money. I Like any of those kind of bland chemist brands are quite good. Um, and you know, just so doing those things, that's what we kind of refer to as general skincare measures. So yeah, doing that will certainly help. Yeah. I think that's a good place to start. So once we perhaps some dry skin has moved into more of the eczema, perhaps more of a condition, how do you know when that's the case? If it's something you haven't suffered with before and what are the next steps that you take from there? Yeah. So um, look, if you're starting to notice itch, redness, you know, scaly or flaky patches on the body, um, then that's probably a good indication that you've developed eczema. Um, so it might be worthwhile just having a chat to your GP. Um, GP is um, very good at managing eczema and 
you know, having a chat to them about uh, whether some topical steroids would be helpful. People are really scared of topical steroids. Uh, um, everyone thinks that, you know, they're going to thin the skin. Yeah, and long-term all, damage. All sorts of trouble, that's right, yeah. But yep. ultimately, when you're using topical steroids on inflamed skin you and you're using them appropriately, you shouldn't be developing side effects. And so the way, I guess, to manage eczema is just to hit it hard and fast. Do you know what I mean? So just so I would be using, you know, an appropriate strength topical steroid two to three times a day. And you may only need to do that for, you know, four or five days or so, and it should calm down. Keeping in mind that eczema is one of those things, unfortunately, that is a chronic skin condition. And so we can't cure it, but we can manage it. Okay. Uh, and is that a that topical steroid that you're referring to, is that something you would need to get on prescription from a GP? Is it something you can go and talk to a pharmacist about? So you can get some mild topical steroids um, over the counter. It, and you know, and if you have mild eczema, then that may be all that you need. But I guess if you're um if you tried one of those and you're not getting on top of it, then yeah, your GP could write your script. Perfect. Absolutely good. Okay. So then moving on to the next kind of, I guess, elevation from there. So what if somebody, um, what are the other sort of skin conditions that people might develop or like, let's talk about the rosacea, things like that. Yeah. Yep. So um, rosacea, again, I'm, I feel like I'm talking about these, all of these chronic skin conditions. Um, unfortunately, as dermatologists, we can't cure um, a lot of things. Not really anyone in medicine can, I guess. But rosacea is a chronic skin condition and it often develops between the ages of 30 and 60. And so people will say, you know, oh, my skin suddenly become really sensitive. These products that I was using before without any issues are now causing me trouble. Um, so it presents with kind of skin sensitivity, a redness, and some people might notice kind of pimply spots coming up as well. And is that predominantly on the face? Like my ex, I haven't experienced it, but I know people that have, and it, it is predominantly yes, a face. That's right. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's on the face, and um, and it can be, you know, quite debilitating for some people. You can get flushing, and you know, it can be triggered by things like spicy foods, hot drinks, heat in general. Yeah, it it can be quite a frustrating skin condition. Um, and so I guess for these people, I would just recommend, you know, because when your skin's feeling sensitive, I guess you start to try to find things to try and calm it down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But we need to be doing almost the opposite and just stripping it right back. So um, just using very gentle products and, you know, not do, putting anything on the skin that's going to make it worse. If there are triggers that you know of for yourself, then um, avoid trying to – easier said than done – try and avoid those. <laughs> yeah. Alcohol. <laughs> Sometimes. Alcohol can be a really big trigger for so many things. Um, sometimes part of the process can actually be even just identifying what those triggers are. Exactly. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. And um, and again, then if you're struggling to get on top of it, um, we do have quite effective treatments with creams. We have some tablet treatments and um, laser treatments are really effective as well. Now, while we're on the face... An area that I get asked about a lot, and I wasn't even aware that this was something that can happen as a, as a part of perimenopause until I heard a few people talking about it. And it may not be your area, so if it is, totally tell me sure. and I'll go find someone else to talk to about it. <laughs> but, but that is um, dry, itchy eyes. Yes, yes. So again, um, I guess I, 
eyes in general, eyelid skin. Um, it's all very, um, the eyelid skin is very thin. And, um, and again, um, things like nail polish fragrances, things like that, they're quite common allergen, which can cause, you know, um, contact allergies on the skin. Yeah. And um, so if I have someone who comes in with eyelid dermatitis, for example, those are always the things that I ask about. The eyes itself, something like that, again, if you can try and get on top of it with preservative-free eye drops and using that, um, those regularly, then fantastic. But if not, you'd probably want to see um, an optometrist or an ophthalmologist. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah. So a, a little bit like we talked about with you know general dryness of the body and the skin, it's, yeah. that, it's that moisturizing but exactly. with an, an appropriate, unscented, unkind of played with product okay awesome thank you so any other conditions that you would kind of like to bring to people's attention or have a chat through while we're talking just about kind of more general skin conditions look I guess those are kind of the most frequent ones that we see you know if we're thinking about what's happening around menopause the eczema rosacea yeah they would be the most frequent ones that we see okay so then let's move into the vulva health Mm-hmm. I would love to know, and I'm pretty sure my listeners would as well, because I do know that personally this was something that I was um, dealing with and struggling with. And I've spoken to a number of of women in the same situation. And you know, when you talked about the fact that we put up with it for far too long before we go and see somebody, so let's talk about, you know, what to look out for, what changes to pay attention to, and at what point is it that you should be speaking to obviously your GP, I would imagine, in the first place yeah. to get that referral on to someone like yourself who's a dermatologist. You can get skin conditions that would present elsewhere on the body in the genital area. So again, things like eczema, things like psoriasis, we see quite frequently in the genital area. Um, but then there are also some conditions that have more of a predilection for genital skin. And so things like lichen sclerosis, lichen planus, These are conditions that we see most frequently in the genital area. So um, I guess firstly, if you're noticing any color change down below, Mm -hmm. um, if you're noticing symptoms like itch, if you're getting pain with sex, then those are the kind of um, signs that you should probably go and see your doctor and have a chat to them about it. Um, You know, abnormal discharge or anything like that, you know? Yeah, Uh, yeah. Most people in that perimenopausal stage will notice dryness and that can make sex uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, you know, you um, would probably want to think about different lubrications um, that you can use. Uh, HRT can be helpful for that as well. You need to use topical HRT a couple of times a week. But, yeah, but I think that um, if you're feeling uncomfortable, um, you know, and you think that something might be up, there's no shame in going and having a chat to your GP. Yeah, no, that that's such an important message. And as much as there will be women that do feel shame about it and that they will feel that they've done something wrong and yeah. that, you know, um, it's an embarrassing yeah. subject perhaps to go and raise with, a, with your GP, you really need to kind of put all of that aside pull on your big girl panties for want of a better expression <laughs> and um, and really go and have that conversation because – um, one of the things I'd like to talk to you about is that what the evolution of some of those skin conditions can actually be when yes. they're left untreated. Yes, yeah. Just going back to feeling embarrassed, we have seen it all. 
Like, <laughs> honestly, there, I have people apologizing that they haven't shaved their legs and I, I don't care. Um, we've seen everything. I'm sure that I've seen worse. So don't, never feel embarrassed um, to show your doctor anything. But yes, going back to that. So essentially some skin conditions, like I mentioned before, lichen sclerosis, lichen planus, If these are left untreated, that chronic inflammation in the skin can result in development of skin cancers. So untreated lichen sclerosis has a 5% risk of developing a squamous cell cancer in that area. And um, this can can easily kind of be reversed and that risk brought down to zero just by having that treated. When lichen sclerosis is treated, you you can't really change scarring. But you can get the skin looking back to normal and um, and making the area feel more comfortable, reduce getting rid of that itch, and also minimizing your risk of skin cancers in the area. Nobody wants to have a skin cancer cut out in that area. No, and and you know, in full transparency, you are my dermatologist, <laughs> and I personally was that woman that left the itching and the discomfort for way too long before I went to see my GP and then I ended up in your beautiful clinic. But I will also share with the ladies that as a result, I did have to have a biopsy done from that area to check for uh, lichen scleris that had developed. And that, ladies, is fucking uncomfortable. (laughs) So I am here to tell you that if you have any itching or discomfort down there, please go and see somebody before you get to that point because you know look I was lucky I was clear my my lichen sclerosis hadn't developed into that but the thought that it could have actually scared the pants off me I have a cancer history anyway and the discomfort of having that that biopsy sorry I know it's no no actually you know what I should I should clarify the actual process of having the um the biopsy was painless except for maybe having the anesthetic um, you were beautiful um, and very gentle and made me feel very, very, very comfortable. It Thank was you. it was the discomfort afterwards, of, yeah. Yeah, which is natural. You know, I've yeah. had biopsies done on all sorts of parts of my body now, but that was probably the most discomfort that I've ever had in a healing process afterwards. Yes. Yeah, so that's my takeaway message for every woman listening today. Try not to get your, let yourself yeah. get to that point. Totally. <laughs> beautiful. So let's... Talk a little bit more about if, if you do get a diagnosis of the lichen sclerosis, lichen planus, is that the second one? Lichen planus, yeah, that's a different type of um, inflammatory skin condition. That can develop, um, you can get patches on the body as well. This one tends to um, involve the vagina as well. Okay. Um, and so it tends to be more internal and you can develop ulcers within the vagina, which are very painful. Sounds really uncomfortable. Yeah, it can also affect inside the mouth. Um, it can affect the fingernails as well, the toenails. Um, so those are kind of all the areas that we examine um, if we we have a bit of a suspicion that that's what's going on. Okay, okay. Um, and is that, again, something that can be treated and, yeah. and managed and that's then right. just, you know, kept an eye on long term? Exactly, yeah. So the aim of the game, I guess, um, when we're treating lichen sclerosis, lichen planus, is we want to just get it under control. And then once a year, we would see you um, to examine the area and make sure that everything's doing well. Tracking well. Yeah. Amazing. Are there any other conditions or 
tips that you would like to share with anyone while we're talking about that area? One thing that I see a lot of as well is um, uh, what we call chronic vulvovaginal candidiasis, which is chronic thrush. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is something we do tend to see it in younger people, but because it's estrogen driven, for people on HRT, it still can happen. Okay. Um, so this is so chronic thrush is different to having a one-off kind of episode of thrush. These people tend to have symptoms that recur relatively frequently. They get itch, they get swelling, they get splits in the skin, intercourse is uncomfortable and discharge as well. So with these um, patients, I guess we often, we always do a swab to see if that's what's going on, but you don't necessarily need to have a positive swab because people often self-treat in between as well. Okay. That may kind of, you know. Skew the results of a swab. Yeah. Yeah. Patients with this, we generally tend to do longer courses of oral antifungal treatments and um, that, you know, they, they get a lot of relief with that. Um, it's something that we would normally treat orally for, say, 6 to 12 weeks and then the aim would be to reduce the dose and get it right down to the lowest possible dose to keep it all clear. But yeah. generally, after menopause, provided you're not on um, HRT, you shouldn't really be getting um, thrush. Okay, cool. That's really good to know. One of the areas that I um, was wondering if you could also just share a little bit of information about is I feel like there is this push in influences probably across social media, things like that, to be douching, to be, you know, cleaning out your <laughs> vagina with all of these amazing scented and wonderful products that probably cost a bomb. I've never looked at them, but I know that they're out there and people talk about them. Yeah. Where do you sit with those sorts of products? Like what are the cons <laughs> is really what I want to know because I know there's a whole lot more cons than there is pros yeah. of, um, of falling into the trap of thinking that you need to clean your vagina. No, no, no need to douche. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we need that normal flora, that normal bacteria that exists within the vagina that exists on the skin. And by doing, you know, by douching and over cleaning, that can really disrupt that. So I would stay away from any of that. Yeah, I think that's a good tip. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, the thought of it horrifies me, but I know that there are there are others out there that, you know, feel perhaps a need to do that. Yeah. Um, so cool. I think that's really good advice. Guess that my biggest takeaway from today is, and the message that I hope that our listeners get, is that if you have any level of discomfort or itching, dryness in any area of your body that is a change that is something that you haven't experienced before, that your first protocol is always to go and see your primary health carer. Absolutely. And then they'll make that decision um, if they think that you need to be referred on to a dermatologist. And then I think the second thing would be to not do what I did and to not wait and put up with it and think, oh, it'll clear itself up or, you know, it's just an annoying thing that I'll put up with because it is much more important. There are ways that we can manage the conditions, we can clear the conditions up if they're caught early enough, those sorts of things, um, as opposed to letting something, you know, evolve into uh, a bigger condition that it doesn't need to be. That's right, yeah. And it can be, you know, unsafe to do so as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we want to keep everyone safe and healthy. (laughs) Amazing, Shreya. This has been really informative. Thank you so much. 
I have one question for you, which I ask all of my guests at the end of our chat, and that is, what are you reading, watching, or listening to right now that is bringing you joy? So um, I don't know if you've heard of the show. Um, it's on Disney+. Plus. It's called Only Murders in the Building. I love it. And I'm waiting for the next episode to drop. <laughs> uh, I think it's done now. I think it's out. Well, I thought there was one more, unless it's... Oh. Oh, I don't know. No. Ooh. But the reason um, that... Uh, it's bringing me joy is because it's very hard for my husband and I to agree on a TV show to watch together, but he is also into it. So I love that, like, um, you know, we hang out for the newest episode and we watch it together. It's Every such season. a great show. And great right, I found in our house as well. So I have, you know, growing, growing young men that still live at home. Mm-hmm. And um, my husband and I have been watching it together. Yeah. And then my, my baby, who's 19, um, was sitting on the lounge, was like, I'll watch an episode of this with you. And then he was like totally hooked and went so right good. back. And what has like binged all the way up to so we could catch up to where we were at so we could then sit down and watch the last few episodes together. It's a brilliant so show. Good. I love yeah. it. Yeah, good fun. It so. is good fun. But, yeah. the, you know, the quality of also the cast and the script oh, and, you know, there's that. Martin Short together are just always you know she's amazing and so i love good. selena gomez yeah just i have such a girl crush on her she's so cute um but i also like it also um feeds me my bit of new york porn that i like yeah you know from those shows yes love so, you like, oh, what a god live in new york yeah <laughs> it's cool great great suggestion and yeah. i will link through to that in the show notes for anybody that um is not familiar i to watch it. the show yeah it's a must watch for sure um, and I'll also link through. You have an Instagram account, don't you? I do. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. So, so Patricia and Andrew. Fantastic. So I'll make sure I link through to that as well, so that if any women have any questions or not necessarily questions, but if they want some more information, they can go find you and they can uh, get that through your Instagram account. Perfect. And working on a website, it's just not quite there yet. Our <laughs> uh, websites are tricky things. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Shreya. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm super appreciative. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening today. I am so grateful to have these conversations with incredible women and experts. And I'm grateful that you chose to hit play on this episode of Dear Menopause. If you have a minute of time today, please leave a rating or a review. I would love to hear from you because you are my biggest driver for doing this work. If this chat went way too fast for you and you want more, head over to stellarwomen.com.au slash podcast for the show notes. And while you're there, take my midlife quiz to see why it feels like midlife is messing with your head. 